Kalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright, the sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. Melikilikimaka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Melikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright, the sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. This is In the Know for Thursday, December 9, the 343rd day of 2021. There are 22 days left in the year. Good morning, MB, guiding you through In the Know at K105. On Litchfield's Country Station, 103.9 The Moose, live online at K105.com, via the Apple and Android smartphone app using the SoundCloud or iTunes podcast, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and the hashtag is in the know. Coming up today, we'll update you on the latest news headlines from around the community, the county, the Commonwealth, and the country. Plus, we'll have a visit from Josh Horton, the public health director of the Grayson County Health Department. We'll uh, get some information from him and his visit. That and a whole lot more coming up today here on in. The nose settling into my left, rolling Mach 9 with her hair on fire. Is my beautiful wife, the beautiful girl. It's Beach. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. I'm having a really mama morning. You're having so. a mama morning? I got it. Um, That's all right, though. Would you... Um, uh, this is something you're going to have a strong opinion about. I feel oh the new Tesla cars uh, are reporting the new Tesla Model 3 and allows people to play video games in moving cars on the center dash display. And um, they're causing some concerns about people and safety and distracted driving. Do you see where this would be problematic? I do. Yeah. The games are called uh, Skyforce Reloaded Solitaire. Which you love. I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Battle of Polytopia are all right there on the center dash. And you, it, it does say uh, if you're driving, you can't play this, but all you have to do is hit the button that says I'm a passenger and it will play. No one would lie, would they, as a workaround? Well, so that was my thing. It, like, is the passenger seat weighted so that they know someone? Yeah, like makes you wonder. There surely isn't a workaround for that, you know. Oh, put a jug of milk in it or something like that. But uh, so my question is, when the time comes when our cars are driving us around, do you see there being value in your ability to play solitaire while you're being a passenger riding down the road? 
A passenger? Yes. yes. Well, eventually, if the car's driving itself, you will be a passenger, even if you're on that side of the car where normally the driver yeah, would sit. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to give up <laughs> the ever? driving. Ever? No, I don't think Never. so. Never? No. I don't know. You're a young woman. <laughs> I think there's a lot of life ahead of you in that regard. He is a five-time winner of the coveted Ohio NewsHawk Award. He's a two-time Silver Sound nominee. Covering every corner of the globe, London, Moscow, Paris, and even... Uh, Dog Creek, Sam Gormley, and the Sports. Morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. You were actually rolling on the Green River yesterday, weren't you? So I was. I could, I could have thrown in Green River. I was. I there. was. That's good. You made it back into en- enemy territory. I did. Behind enemy lines, and you made it back safely into I did. Grayson County. Luckily, they, I, they didn't know I was there. That's good. I kind of slid well, underneath the radar. Some of them did. Uh-oh. I happen to know some of them knew you were there. Uh-oh. So, do you know what naked packaging is? I don't... I could maybe use context clues. Don't get excited. As more packages are delivered, often depicting the contents inside, some thieves are more enticed to steal. You know, when you buy something online, especially if you buy it from Amazon, it has a note at the bottom, and it says, package reveals contents. So that if it's, you know, it's a new television, and they deliver it in the box, then Everyone can see what's inside. Well, it's bad enough if the intended gift recipient sees it and then suddenly mm-hmm. knows what's inside. But if it's visible from the street, thieves can't they can't control themselves. It's like the idea of putting a piece of cake on display and saying, You can't have any cake. It just makes you want cake that much more. I I mean, can they hide a TV box? I feel like that that you could usually be like, you know what, a box that size and that shape probably got to be a TV. Yeah, right? probably. There's uh, there's certain few, things few that things it's like it could be, you know, uh, a really a really large pop tart. It yeah, could that, be a giant. Be, could be a giant pop tart. Heavy pop tart too. It, it would be, but it would be. It could be giant. But this uh, struck me as odd. Doctor Ben Stickle, who is an associate professor of criminal justice administration at Middle Tennessee State University. He is a porch piracy expert. Now, I don't know if he's an expert in teaching it (laughs) or an expert in preventing it. Nah, it's MTSU. uh. MTSU, no one likes them. As a WKU grad, you're just inherently not supposed to like MTSU. No, and and plus, they're the reason that WKU is not in the MAC right now. That's true. They were an obstacle in that regard. Uh, Cloudy and a chilly start this morning, but sunny and breezy later today. Severe thunderstorms, a significant (laughs) threat for a nighttime outbreak of severe thunderstorms and tornadoes Friday night. So, by the way, the record high for Friday is tomorrow is 71 so we will probably brush up against that tomorrow and there's a chance uh i guess we could uh, we could at least tie it tomorrow but temperatures are going to drop quickly into the 40s saturday morning so when the temperature starts at 70 tomorrow afternoon late when it does start to cool and then it gets into saturday morning temperature just falls on down uh to about a high of 46 for saturday cloudy then breezy uh we're seeing a little sun already this morning so that's good news and uh, 58 is the high today 52 is the low tonight under showers and maybe some drizzle think it's going to be later and then severe storms later in the day tomorrow rain chance 100 percent a high of 70 but the 10 day doesn't look too bad going to be a dry week next week and even another 70 degree day next thursday so uh, if you've got uh, if you're delaying your exterior christmas decorations for whatever reason the conditions might be favorable for you if you can get beyond 
this Saturday. Still learning new information about that round of storms that came through Sunday night into Monday morning through our region. And the National Weather Service now says that cold front was responsible for five tornadoes in western Kentucky. The NWS office in Paducah confirmed three twisters in Callaway County near Murray, Graves County near Wingo, and in the Elkton area of Todd County early Monday morning. So varying on the uh, Wingo, enhanced Kentucky. Fuji schedule. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever That's where Trey Wingo. Wingo's from, isn't it? Uh, Trey oh, I was Wingo thinking of from... Wingo from Cars. Oh, it's one of the, the cars in I've the been, movie. I've been called a wing nut a few times. Mm-hmm. I got it. Uh, sad news to report. A Falls of Rough man has been killed in a single vehicle accident in Short Creek yesterday afternoon about 1.15. The Sheriff's Office, LFD, and GCEMS responded to uh, Concord Road, the 1500 block. They found a Dodge truck had left the roadway, struck a utility pole on the driver's side door. 69-year-old Jerry Franklin was the driver and was extricated from the truck by uh, Falls of Rough firefighters. He was transported to the state park at Rough River there where they were going to airlift him from um, um, with the to a uh, level one trauma center, but sadly he passed away during the transport. He was pronounced deceased at the airport by Grayson County Deputy Coroner Larry Holman. So sad news there. That is sad. Earlier this week at the Grayson County Fiscal Court meeting, uh, magistrates were told that the residents of, or at least some residents of Whispering Hills Subdivision in Millwood, are requesting the six private roads in the subdivision be designated county roadways, uh, Whispering Hills Boulevard, Nancy Lane, Scott Street, Carter Street, Gary Street, and Jacqueline Street. Before uh, private roads can be designated county roads, they must be blacktop, reach a minimum width, and not need any major repairs. The magistrate that represents that district is uh, Tommy Higdon. He says the roads are in good shape. And so... They will start the process of adopting that area, which is like more than 17 homes, very visible from U.S. 62 there. Uh, just by my standards, looks like a you know pretty reasonable uh, adoption into the county road system. Also uh, learned earlier this week that uh, Tom Goff, longtime serving on the Grayson County Hospital District Board, his term has ended. And there were four possible successors for the court to consider. A couple were uh, had conflicts and uh, not able to serve. But Marty Cummings agreed to serve on the board, and that move was unanimously adopted by the magistrate. So kind of the some of the uh, lighter lifts involved at the fiscal court meeting earlier this week. Our congressman serving uh, our district here in Kentucky, Brett Guthrie, has tested positive for COVID-19 and has mild symptoms. He said in a release, out of an abundance of caution, I took a COVID-19 test and it came back positive today. I'm glad that I decided to get fully vaccinated. I'm experiencing mild symptoms. He was elected, you know, to serve the district back in 2008. Said uh, district offices and the services there uh, remain open, uh, both in Washington and I presume in in district as well. I, I uh, you know, I think I think a lot of Congressman uh, Guthrie. And um, I think he's done a, done an excellent job, and I consider him to be a very valuable uh, asset, ally, and uh, supporter of uh, of the area. So, reading a statement though, this out of an abundance of caution, it made me wonder how many times in the last twenty months, twenty one months, how many times have I heard that phrase out of an abundance of caution? And it made me wonder how many more times will I, at, at what point do we just say? To be cautious. You know, we used to say, <laughs> we're going to be cautious and do things. 
But now we have to go out of an abundance of caution. Mm -hmm. Like somehow that's the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down or something. I I don't know. Everyone does it. I do it every, you know, it's Mm -hmm. out of an abundance of caution. Because it makes you sound smart. So as to not be all willy nilly. (laughs) That's, that's, I'd rather say so as not to be all willy nilly. I did this. Hope the congressman's okay. Uh, that can be that can be serious business. Governor Bashir awarded a ten percent pay raise yesterday to Kentucky social service workers, hoping to halt the loss of frontline employees demoralized by low salaries and bulging workloads, serving vulnerable children and adults. The pay increase takes effect December sixteen for social workers and family support services staff. It's the result of the governor's administrative action to reclassify their jobs to a higher grade. More than 3,900 employees are in line for the immediate pay raises at a cost of about $15 million. Existing funds due to vacancies within the agency will cover the expense. So the vacancies they're unable to fill, well, immediately they'll just earmark those dollars to go toward uh, raises for those that were left behind. But I would imagine we still got a problem of having a shortage of those workers. And so the expense will come from somewhere at some point in time. But if you're scoring at home, it was educators earlier this week. The governor was signaling they're going to try and um, deliver on his campaign promise to get them uh, an increase in compensation. And now uh, social workers as well that uh, he's trying to, to look out for and bring them to a higher level. You know, we must rep- we must remain competitive. Um, if we're seeing in all different sectors right now where, you know, people are lured away by higher wages and perhaps less hassle. And so if you want to continue to be able to have social services and quality social services, you've got to have a workforce that can deliver those services. That's what service is. It's the people that you have in the service they provide. It's not like widgets where we've got this supply of widgets. So you've got to find that balance between main being competitive and not being wasteful at the same time to try and make um, keep a balance in that ecosystem. So I have, I'm, I'm sure it's been a trying trying period for them, just like everyone else. Sam, what is going on at the University of Louisville? Well, there's even more this morning. Uh, is the more this morning involved Penn State University and Florida State University and Florida State University? Uh, so it sounds like President Ben DePuty, I think is her name. Yes, is headed to Penn State. Yes, and now Vince Tyree says that he might not be going to Florida State. <laughs> so it was a showdown. That's basically Correct. so. So if you're following along, if or actually to be more clear, if you've not been following along, here's kind of the <laughs> abridged version of what's been Thank happening. You. President, athletic director, don't get along. Yeah, that's kind of for the last week. Vince Tyree has been floating the idea that he's going to Florida State mm-hmm. as the athletic director. Uh, behind the scenes. The U of L Athletic Association, the Board of Trustees, et cetera, kind of trying to figure out, hey, wait a minute, you can't just walk away. You've got a mm-hmm. 30 day out and you've got a non compete within mm-hmm. the ACC. They met earlier this week. They waived the 30 day out. They waived the non compete. Um, and they said, okay, you're free to go. Well, basically, what has happened is he wanted Brom to replace Satterfield. Ben DePuty vetoed it and said no. He said, I'm going to Florida State. Then there's enough swinging of the pendulum the other way that Neely Bendapudi says, I don't need this hassle. 
I'll just take the Penn State job. So she's on her way out. Vince says, man, I might not want that FSU job after all. And supposedly it's not true that he wants the UofL job. I was reading, I think somebody had a report this morning that said he's deciding now between returning to the private sector or staying at staying at the University of Louisville. It he, is a, regardless, it's a, it's a cluster. He was, uh, he was an unlikely athletic director to begin with. He was not, he, he was not, he had no history as an athletic director. He was a supporter of the university. He was working in the private sector. Played baseball at the University of Kentucky. Was an, was an athlete, understands a little bit about college athletics. Um, I, my understanding has done a good job trying to clean up the place, but he, there was no clear, I don't think he said, I want to be an athletic director for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. He was the man for the job at the time, and there was no clear exit strategy. When Ben DePuty came in, she said, we're going to make this university more about academics and less about athletics, when I'm not so sure it has, athletics and academics were probably on similar footing before she arrived, and she said, this is a university of academia, not on athletics. And so he wanted to bring in Jeff Brom, which I think would be a hugely popular move. It's all about money at when it comes to that, because they're already paying, they paid Petrino's buyout, they'd have to pay Satterfield's buyout, they'd have to pay Brom's buyout, and it's just like, I think her reasoning was is that there's only so much money we have, mm-hmm. and we can't just keep doing that, because, and in a lot of ways... What happens if they fire Satterfield and Jeff Brom says, meh, I think I'm going to stay at Purdue. I think they know before they make that move. If you he, you if would he think, but, but that's not, that doesn't stop people in the past. Sadly, I need them to be better. Yeah. I really do. I need I, – the University of Louisville is important to the state of Kentucky – Academics, on, 100%. Nice. On multiple <laughs> levels. But listen, Sam, a rivalry is not a rivalry – Unless it can be competitive aren't and it can be you, Aren't sporting. you having fun beating them by 35 or 40? I think I am. I'm getting a little bit tired of it. It's oh, sort of I'm like, not. Nah, no, I think I'll he would like it to be closer. I'll, ne- no. I'll never get tired of that. Never. Listen, I just... I, listen. If it's too easy, it's too easy. Why, why would you not want it to be easy? Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there was that much fun in watching it. I will tell you. Oh, it is when it's beating down your rival. In here's one thing that I would definitely share with you. When when I was your age, I would be 100% behind what you're saying. And the older I get, I'm like, these are kids. You're getting soft. These Maybe. <laughs> may, may, maybe I'm getting soft. But I just think. I no, learned I just, a long time ago. I, well, I didn't learn a long time ago. But I've learned over the last decade to try and not let teenagers determine your level of happiness oh no i don't i don't have that or or passion or where you spend your energies and i don't i really don't don't dislike louisville by any means i don't like like them but i don't necessarily have deep and utter hatred i feel sorry for them oh i do 100 percent. i feel feel sorry for them i just for for their for their diehard fans i I feel bad because they just keep getting right hook left hook right hook left hook yeah and the knockout punch is coming and this could be that night uh, knockout punch. It could. If the shoe were on the other foot, boy, I would just really. But I, would I saw really, Tony Vanetti, who's who's a <laughs> W A is he W H A S I think in, yeah. or in, oh yeah, he works for iHeart. Yeah, transfer and, portal. Yeah, he, he said fans. he's going to put it in the transfer portal for fans. Mm, yeah, so, and he is a diehard U of L. Uh, Sam, what happened in Hazard this week? It, it's been it's been I, a fall for Hazard, has it not? 
the community of Hazard. There was a fight at a girls' basketball game that has now brought suspensions and an assault charge against the sheriff of Owsley County. I watched this video, and the video I only watched it once. I probably needed to watch it a couple of times to kind of like really be able to, because there's a lot going on in the video. Yes, there is. Uh, Listen, I just my takeaway, and I'll kind of break it down for those that aren't watching. I'll just say six oh six will six oh six, won't they? Oh yeah. I mean this, but it was like they met uh, players shoved, and the sheriff, I think, came in, and then there was like a scrum in the middle, and you can't really tell what happens in the scrum. The sheriff, by the way, in Owsley County, is he's an assistant on the staff. So when I read really? that, okay, yeah, when see, I, I saw a sheriff's deputy come off in this video. I'm not even sure he's in the picture. No, so um, he's dressed. He looks like a member of the basketball okay. staff. I kept I looking for that. a police officer to come in well, well, and assault someone. Does and I right. watched him come in and I was like, well, he doesn't look like he does anything. That's okay, right. well that makes a little bit more so sense. So it's then. the coach, state police at the Hazard Post said on Friday. Troopers responded to Perry County Central High on an assault complaint that occurred during a high school girls basketball game with Owsley County. And during a fight, players in the uh, in the third quarter, they uh, alleged that Owsley County Sheriff Brent Lynch, who is also part of the coaching staff for Owsley County High, assaulted one of the players. An arrest warrant was issued for Perry uh, by Perry District yes. Court on Tuesday, charging him with fourth-degree assault, which is punishable by up to a year in jail if found guilty. Girls basketball, too. I, 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 this, yeah. I mean, not that it would be okay if it would have been boys basketball, but that makes it almost even worse that he's he's hitting a teenage girl. Yeah, and listen. Allegedly. Sheriffs are people just like everybody else. They have a different profession. They do, and we hold police officers in different regards. When you're a basketball coach, you just – you react to things in some ways that athletes do. I'm not excusing it at all, but in ways the fact that he's the sheriff is kind of insignificant, but yet it's what's getting all the oxygen. In that role, in that time, he was the basketball coach. Mm-hmm. He was not the sheriff. But it's um, people are getting attention. You know, it's I don't know what's going to happen. Bailey Zappi, the Conference USA MVP, by coaches, that's kind of a no-brainer, wasn't it, Sam? Oh yeah, yeah. It, that means Zappy was great this year. And then right on cue, I was trying to make a case for you all yesterday about CMT's a Tennessee Christmas, mm-hmm. and all the things that might be like chewing beech nut and drinking Jack Daniels and things like that. Don't forget, uh, any proper Tennessee Christmas also involves a Waffle House and methamphetamine. A Tennessee Waffle House employee has been arrested for serving food with a side of meth. Earlier this week in Carryville, Tennessee, just outside Knoxville. Oh, well, the, that, that explains everything, the, doesn't it? The popo <laughs> showed up and arrested 31-year-old Anthony James Silcox, who was selling meth from the kitchen of the Waffle House. What else do you expect <laughs> when you go to the Waffle House? <laughs> it won't, it's, never, it's not really Christmas. Until you go down to the Waffle House and score. <laughs> we gotta get you a get break. Get you a or an all-star. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get you a break. Come back with more. Josh Horton is here for a conversation. Hang around here on In the Know. You Christmas card day, commemorating the first commercial Christmas card commissioned 
this date in 1843. It's Anna's Day today in Sweden and Finland. If you're in Sweden and Finland, you'll know what to do. If you're not, don't bother because you're I not there. I thought it was like Anna and Elsa? Uh, sort of. That's uh-huh. one of the reasons that she's named Anna is because of that uh, Because of that. Uh, area of the world. It's also National Llama Day today, or as the Spanish would say, Llama, because you got two L's on the front of that. You're right. It is uh, Llama Day today. It's also the day we say good morning and welcome back to Josh Horton. He is the public health director at the Grayson County Health Department. Good morning. Welcome back. Well, I don't know if I can top Llama Day, but (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) Um, You don't have a pet llama by any chance, do you? Why we brought you in? No, no. No, yeah, we thought you were a llama expert. (laughs) Uh, so uh, it's been good seeing you. We'll come back soon. Um, so we saw, I guess you were here maybe a month ago. I lose track. As I said yesterday, the last 20 or 21 months have been 10 years and two years, uh, 10 years and two months all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, what's, what's the last month been like for the hardworking folks at the Grayson County Health Department? Well, you know, um, we had the, the Delta variant that came through in August and September and then Things kind of decreased a bit, and we got a chance to take our breath. And we've seen a, a steady, kind of a steady incline, but it's kind of leveled out again. So we're just kind of we're holding our breath and seeing where we're going to be. Have we already seen our Thanksgiving hump? We knew we knew there would be one, and the um, the week immediately following, we saw numbers tick back up, but then they went even a little higher this week. So are we over the Thanksgiving hump? We should be just about what we're seeing uh, this week um, should be the, you know, the end of the push from Thanksgiving. So we'll, like I said, we're holding our breath. So we, we were living in, I'd say we, I'll, I'll describe it like this. In 2021, we have had more clarity on the issue than we had in 2020. Mm-hmm. We have had more tools in 2021 than we had in 2020 and a better understanding for protecting ourselves and for protecting others. But then there's been that need to return to normalcy as well. So it's a combination of trying to be normal and also trying to fight apathy. But then we have these seasons like Delta was a season and now Omicron is probably going to be a season of some kind, but it the confusion, just about the time we think we have clarity and an understanding of where we're going and what's going to happen, then we get kind of a curveball and say, okay, ver- variant now that we also have to figure out the particulars of. Mm-hmm. Am I breaking it down into the proper seasons? You are. Unfortunately, you know, just when, like you said, when you feel like we understand a lot about the virus, then it changes, but that's how viruses behave. And so. You know, it is frustrating. I know it's frustrating for the community. It's frustrating for those in public health um, because it's just like the old saying, just when you think you have a handle on it, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, it goes and changes. So I, um, I've, sp- I've spent the last couple of weeks not, not really zeroed in on the, the messaging about this new variant, but I just in passing, I pay attention. I hear, you know, this person saying that and that person saying this. It sounds like most of your national talking heads about Omicron are the tale has not yet been told. Like people say, okay, is it more contagious? Is it less contagious? Does the vaccine work? Does the, will a booster help? Da, 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 da. That stuff is getting is still getting dialed in. We don't exactly know for sure yet. Mm-hmm. Or 
Or are you here today to say you have all the answers? I wish I did have all the answers. <laughs> my my takeaway from the new variant so far, and it's subject to change <clears throat> because, like you said, the professionals are still, you know, uh, trying to trying to understand the new variant as best they can. But uh, my takeaway so far has been that the new variant is more possibly contagious um, than Delta, but doesn't necessarily pack um, that strong of a punch. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, the devil's in the details, but um, that's kind of what the understanding is right now. Uh, 18 months ago, the most vulnerable demographic was 70 plus. Mm-hmm. My observation, and, and please correct me if you think my, my math is off, I now perceive the most vulnerable demographic is 18 and under, and maybe more specifically 11 and under, because they've been protected the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, as far as, you know, the data, of course, it lags, and as far as the, the death numbers are concerned, we've seen uh, a spike in deaths in people, you know, in their 50s with Delta. Um, so Delta is still the, the number one variant of concern, even with, the, the, you know, the new variant, which we don't know for sure if it's going to take the place of, of Delta and beat it out, per se. Um, but, yeah, you ha- anyone who's been protected, as well as people who have had um, one of the original um, variants and have not gotten vaccinated because they think, well, you know, I've had the virus, um, I don't need to get vaccinated, especially if it's been months, months ago since you've originally had the virus you're now susceptible to the new variants and and there will be more variants right is can we just can, can we just go ahead and acknowledge there like omicron won't won't be the last will it no well here's the thing with uh coronavirus is you know there there's several different types of coronaviruses it's my understanding that the common code is is, is a version of coronavirus so the the messaging that we're going to somehow eradicate uh covid um, I think is not necessarily correct. We, we have to get to the to the place where we can manage it, and we're not overwhelming our hospitals, and we're not experiencing as much as many deaths. Mm-hmm. So you know there will be more variants, and whether or not this is going to be a seasonal thing, like you go and get your flu shot, if you're going to have to go and get your your COVID shot, or who knows, maybe one day you'll just get one shot and it'll it'll do it all. Um, That'd but be nice. I, I think our messaging to the community to to the people needs to be, this is not going to go away anytime soon. We just have to learn how to manage it. How are you seeing, and I've not kept track of on how it's being used, if it's being used in an um, emergency use, if it's if it's just on the precipice of being commonly used. But one, we had vaccines early on while we were waiting for therapeutics to take that pressure off of the healthcare system so you could treat people at home rather than treating them in facilities or in hospital. Are you, do you feel like therapeutics are ready to kind of ride in and help solve this riddle or are therapeutics still a way off? I think the overall message needs to be that, you know, vaccination is still the way to go. Um, the therapeutics are kind of the, the product you, you take if you, you know, you do get sick. Well, we hope to avoid you getting so sick that you have to take something mm-hmm. um, like that. Now, will they be another useful tool? Absolutely. Anything that we could have in our toolbox to fight this virus and drive it back. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it will eventually. Um, it's my understanding that uh, one of the main uh, major providers came out and they, they had a pill. I'm trying not to say their name on air. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to do that, but they, they have medicine. I'll just go ahead and say Pfizer. Um, Pfizer has a pill and it went to, uh, FDA and you know, it had a little bit of resistance. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, um, what all 
make, makes it to the actual market. The way I've tried to allow my practical self to get to, like as you know, I'm, I'm not a health expert. I'm just trying to make good decisions like everybody else and get through it. But I have to be, I have to be paying attention. You know, it's if there's a if there's a train coming down the track and it's barreling down on you, I need to be ready to step out of the way when it comes through. Mm-hmm. So. You use the flu example. For me, I'm thinking we have had flu shots over a long period of time, and we didn't always have Theraflu or equivalents. Mm-hmm. But then Theraflu came along that said if you didn't get proactive in taking your vaccine, then Theraflu will be over here almost as a backstop if you if you were reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. And that, to me right now, is the component that's missing on the SARS COVID side that on down the road in the future, not today, but down the road, that's the other thing that will help us manage caseloads and manage health. Do mm-hmm. I at least have my analogies correct? You do because okay. you use the word manage two or three times there, and, and, and that's the goal we need to get, and that's the message we need to continually to drive to the community. And the messaging was a little bit skewed when it first came out. I think a lot of people felt like if they got the vaccine that, well, then they wouldn't get covid well, that's not the truth. If you get the vaccine, um, the hopes and typically what we see scientifically is that if you do get the, the virus, you're not near as sick, you're not apt to be in the hospital, and you're, and you're even less likely to die. It doesn't mean you won't. Exactly. It's not, it's not a certainty, but the percentages of it are so uh, – they're, they're impossible to argue with on the severity from a percentage standpoint. So here we are knocking on the door of Christmas. It's December nine. When you're here, I will presume, Josh, what you're trying to do is help equip people with information on how to navigate the next few weeks of life. It's going to be a very busy time. What do we need to know most importantly on December 9? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's you still have time to get that J&J vaccine, I believe, and be almost fully vaccinated because you got, what, two weeks? So let's see, two weeks from, yeah. You would still have time. Um, so you could get fully vaccinated before Christmas. Um, and also making sure that you, you're not only looking out for yourself, but those around you, um, especially, you know, your grand, your grandparents. But as you said, um, you know, the demographics have changed at those at most risk with this, with these variants. So protecting your children as well. Um, and making sure that if you've been on the fence line and you don't know about vaccination, and we still know that there's people out there like that. Um, that you're talking, especially to your child's pediatrician, and you're getting his or her, um, you know, understanding of, of the variants as well as, you know, the vaccines and what you can do. So the message is, as it was for Thanksgiving, it hasn't changed. We know people are going to gather. Um, but do so as safely as possible and make sure that you're utilizing all those tools in that toolbox um, to try to protect yourself and your loved ones. If you will, uh, if you had the ability to be the proverbial fly on the wall, I think you you would be able to write almost a thesis on studying people's body language and the way they position themselves around other people, how, and you would be able to see significant differences now versus what you would have Christmases two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it might seem micro. It might just seem like a, a, a game of inches in a way, but you'll just see people. They There's less looking people in the eye, like face-to-face. There's just a general... Uh, change of orientation, if you will, of people when they do get in crowded spaces. I see it. Yeah, uh, I don't. You know, I don't think I'm grasping at straws on that. So it's very. I also was thinking this morning, Josh, from a mental health standpoint, and the way this continues to weigh on everyone. You know, the long the long haul of this. I think also in generations to come, sociologists 
will be teaching future generations. They'll be looking at this period in time. There's a whole lot to digest there with what humans went through during this season of life. There's a lot of meat on the bone there, yes? Yeah, and I think also, you know, you make a really good point. You know, we, we're creatures of habit, and we spent a year um, in 2020, um, you know, with restaurants and stores and things closed, and we got used to uh, social distancing, and, and some of us already like that anyway. Um, but I think overall society has gotten more more used to that. So it's definitely going to impact us as we go forward, especially our children. So what do we – so kind of in a, a nutshell version, uh, testing opportunities still uh, available to us? Yes, and going back to that toolbox, we're trying to put as many tools in the toolbox to help the community as much as we can. So you still have testing over at the fairgrounds. We are offering testing um, at the health department as long as we have test kits. Um, you just go to our website and you can actually click to schedule. You, you used to not have to do that. Now we're asking you that so we know how many test kits we need. Um, so uh, you have uh, options for testing. And as you know, we still continue to offer the, the vaccine clinics. And we're not the only one in the community um, that's offering a vaccine. So there's plenty of tools for you to make sure that you're doing everything you can to be proactive for Christmas. I think the healthcare community has done about everything they can do to remove the barriers. You know, people will, if they can find an excuse not to do something, they will do it. But I think the community has done a pretty good job of saying there's no reason for you not to come on in. Is that fair? Yep, that's fair. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for the information as always. You're welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you. uh, And Merry Christmas to you and everybody at the Grayson County Health Department. Thank you. That's Josh Horton. Good good information there. we got to get to a break. We'll come back. More on the way here on In the Know. A floating log is considered the first vehicle in human history. A floating log. A floating log that people would take, like old, you know, and long time ago, they would take logs, float them in waterways, and that was the first vehicle. I see what you're saying. The sled is the second vehicle. Is considered the second vehicle in human history. That makes sense. What, what's that snarky smirk over there you've got, uh, I'm Ms. sorry. Buckles? I can help it. You know how my mind works. Uh, okay. All right. So, But it, I did read Mark Twain, so. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. then So then it went from one log to then they would strap three or four together and they would have a raft. Mm-hmm. And then it just evolved from there. But, yeah, it was into odd. Into yachts. Into, into yachts. And into <laughs> mega yachts. And into. Cruise ships. You just you just name it. There, there it so is. Next time you get on a cruise ship, you just need to imagine that it started with a log. <laughs> it started with a log. Adele's 30 is the, or was the, only album this year to sell over 1 million copies in the United States. And she had to close fast because it only came out in, uh, well, November 19. Mm-hmm. So she had a very short period of time to do that. It sold 692,000 copies in its first week, then sold 225,000 copies in its second week. I'm surprised that Taylor Swift didn't sell more than a million, and she had a few more weeks. That's odd to me. I f- assume she was you she was popular. Clientele-wise, mm-hmm. yeah. Adele's clientele is more likely to buy an album, while Taylor's is more likely stream to stream it. an album. Yeah, probably. Although I think the demographics on Taylor Swift are getting older than we realize. But – you, your age group is more likely to listen to Adele than it is to Taylor Swift. Can I tell you, I had a proud dad moment earlier this week when uh, Taylor 
she they have a, they have a new hi-fi in their home and she said recommendations on the first vinyl to buy for our new hi-fi and I said, oh i wasn't prepared for this question that's a loaded question it was like oh i just i started thinking of how many albums that and then i just said uh i saw adele's 30 on vinyl at target today and she said you know i'd already been thinking about that so i was i i rallied and figured out the question uh miss buckles are you likely to go back and watch the live in front of a studio audience facts of life and different strokes from earlier this week? No. Okay. I watched it last <laughs> night. Um, and it was better. I, I liked the previous ones. I liked the all in the family ones. I, I liked the good times ones, but these were right in my <laughs> wheelhouse. I mean, facts of life and different strokes for my age group were just on target. And so in the beginning, when Jimmy Kimmel set it up and said, we need you to suspend your disbelief because some of the actors that you're going to see in this performance are in their 40s with beards. And I thought, <laughs> what does that mean? So in the first, the first one that comes out, Lisa Welchel actually comes out and sings the Facts of Life theme song. And then Natalie and uh, Kim Fields, uh, Mindy Kahn and Kim Fields, who played Natalie and Tootie, they come out and they're there in the beginning of the show. Then when the episode turns and Blair is played by Jennifer Aniston, it was like, wow. Well, now that would be the only reason I would watch. But you have to remember, I never watched that when I was a kid. Those shows, I, I never. A little too young? Well, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I no, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't see them in syndication is my, that no, they never, they no, never turned not. around syndication. I've never, you're talking to a brick wall over here right now. But then uh, John, uh, um, oh. The guy from The Daily Show. John Stewart was playing one of the nerds. Uh, Justin Bateman came out in a wig and he, he was playing in the episode. And so there was it was like a who's who of cast members. But then to begin the different strokes hour or uh episode, uh Willis, Todd Bridges, who played Willis, comes out and sets up the episode, but the rest of that cast has gone on in. There's no Dana Plato, there's no Conrad Bain. And there's no uh, there's no Charlotte Ray, and the, I mentioned Gary Coleman, so they're all they're all gone. But when they set it up, and Damon Wayans is playing Willis, Kevin Hart is playing Arnold. I mean, I get it enough to to find that that would be funny. But when Snoop Dogg walks out oh, playing no. playing Vernon, who is Willis's weed smoking friend, the roof went off of the place. <laughs> okay yeah all right so i'm good so to see all of that come together in front of a live studio audience it was really a remarkable moment in television that i hadn't seen for a while i was just sitting there like i can't believe all of these people are on this episode it was really funny it too. was it was and the tagline when willis and arnold settle their differences at the end of the episode which was an actual episode from the first run of the show kevin hart as he's as they're going to sleep Kevin Hart whispers to Willis and says, Willis, why does Vernon always smell like weed? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a funny, it was a, it was a, it was a good part of Norman Lear's 99 years old. And he was on there with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Tiger Woods announces he's going to return to golf by playing in the PNC championships uh, with his son, Charlie. This will be in Orlando. It's about 10 days from now. It starts December 16th. It's kind of a father and son deal. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see if Charlie has to carry his dad on the scorecard to see how they, but it'd be nice to see them get back uh, out on the course. Jeopardy says Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings will be the host through the season, through the end of season 38. So whoever the permanent host, future host of Jeopardy is not going to find out until sometime next year, or at least through the end of this season. Uh, what else do you, must you know about today? Oh, did you see where the Grinch, the, the Christmas tree caught on fire outside Fox News headquarters? In um, I heard about it. I haven't seen a video. Yeah, the video of it was somebody uh, somebody decided to set, it's called the Freedom Tree or the Patriot Tree or something, set it on fire in the, there in Manhattan, and it it burned. Like wow. it's, it's huge. So uh, apparently they're going to try and rebuild it in time for Christmas. But anyway, lots going on to tell you about. Got to get to a break. We'll come back more on the way here on In the Know. MB's point to ponder. Get to that in just a second. But uh, just like many of you, we're watching uh, Senator Bob Dole lying in state in the Capitol today. Uh, that started at the top of the hour, uh, bringing his casket in in the flag draped coffin at that. I am reminded uh, when I saw the uh, Capitol Rotunda this morning, just a quick little factoid that catafalque that the casket is sitting on, so it's the base. That before that casket entered the rotunda, you saw that catafalque. It's black and it's uh, it's elongated. And it's what the casket rests on. That catafalque has been used by the United States since the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. Wow! So when you think of all the people who have uh, lied in state in our uh, rotunda in our nation's capital, that same catafalque has been used. It was constructed for Lincoln. And they've uh, they've used it uh, every time since then. And I, uh, I, re- I remember when I got to see Billy Graham lying in state. We were there the day before and the day of. I happened to be in Washington and got to be in the Capitol building both those days. And it was a very – it was a neat thing. It was neat to kind of feel that history. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Uh, MB's Point to Ponder for today. I have a list of 2021 trends, and I want you to score at home whether you have participated in said trends or not. For instance, watch Squid Game. Not yet. No. No, I have not either. Got vaccinated. Oh, yes. Yes, I got, uh, that's that's a trend. I did. Uh, did you post your vaccination card or photo on social media? I no. did not. I did not. I was told not to. Not that I would have but, anyway. But I guess technically we talked about it on air, though, So and that's on social media, so we... In, in an indirect way. But you don't know my digits. You don't know uh-uh. my numbers uh-uh. and the dates and the locations and all that good stuff. If you've cried to Taylor Swift's all-too-well 10-minute version. I know Never. you I know you have. I, I, I cried for 20 minutes because <laughs> I listened to it twice. Cried to Adele's 30 album in its entirety. By the way, it's better than I gave it credit for the first day. I said it in ways it was overproduced, and I think it is. But the more I listen to it, I understand the texture that she was trying to give it. Went thrifting. I didn't. I have no. not been thrifting last year or this yeah. year. Going to make a bold statement on my 2022 prospects. Probably no thrifting in 2022. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Posted a pic of your pet to Instagram in exchange for having a tree planted. I don't know what that is, and I didn't do it because I don't Instagram. Tried the milk crate challenge. I, no, I laughed at the milk crate mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put an asterisk over to the side of mine because I laughed at people trying it. Made the TikTok feta pasta. Mm-mm. 
No. I think we talked about that on air, didn't we? We did. I don't know. I don't TikTok. I have did a, you make it? I, no. I have a TikTok. I like Feta, though. I have a TikTok valet. Mm-hmm. Her name is Misty Thomas. I rely mm-hmm. upon her to send to me all mm-hmm. the TikToks that she, I may need. She is a good, so, good at the TikTok. So I don't have to. Uh, if you posted the Urban Dictionary definition of your name to your Instagram story, that was a thing. No. Nope. If you matched your mask to your outfit, that was a thing. Well, how about if you match your child's mask Counts. to their outfit? Okay. How about, yeah, to their how outfit. about three quarters of a point on that one? Okay. Does that work? Well, see, I like to I'll think that it. I had my K-105 mask and a K-105 t-shirt on, and I think I even wore my hat one time. As oh, yeah. I think one of our crew members said, I'm pretty much a NASCAR driver. Well, yeah, Ricky Bobby, that's the way we expect you to do it. <laughs> and then uh, the other trend is you called something chuggy. I don't know what that means. Nor do I. I thought you would know. Apparently, it's a Gen Z thing. The Gen Z generation calls things well, I'm like, I'm borderline both. Yeah, I know. That's why I thought you might know before me. So. Well, I guess I'll, I'll classify it's myself as a millennial. C-H-E-U-G-Y is how uh, it's said. On, how do you spell that? C-H-E-U-G-Y, because I saw yesterday how to pronounce it because it was on the list of most mispronounced words of 2021. On HBO tonight, Mr. Saturday Night, it's the latest uh, episode of that Music Box series. And uh, on Lifetime, A Fiancé for Christmas. It has been described as the opposite of trendy or trying too hard. Ah, yeah, okay. In 2014, the highlight in history, in 2014, U.S. Senate investigators concluded the United States had brutalized scores of terror suspects with interrogation tactics that turned secret CIA prisons into chambers of suffering. In 1962, the petrified forest in Arizona was designated a national park. I've been there. Been a long time, but I've been there. In 1960, I was eight. Maybe. In Would you ni- go back? Uh, it, <laughs> mm, the pause makes me say no. Well, I was going to explain my hesitation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it probably hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. That and your wife probably wouldn't want to go. <laughs> well, you could go to the Grand Canyon while you're out there. Well, we've been to the Grand yeah, Canyon. We, we've, yeah. We've been to the floor of the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you jump? Did you get down there? Uh, well, it was a controlled jump. Did you, bun- did you bungee jump? No. Oh. No. No, it was a controlled descent. Um. <laughs> I was going to say, I, don't, I, didn't know, I didn't take you as being somebody that would go bungee jumping. Uh, I, at one point in time, I certainly would have. I've been skydiving. Oh, heck no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just think the petrified forest... Doesn't have a whole lot to offer in 2021 <laughs> that it didn't have to offer in 1978. Uh, maybe I mean, 79. Hence petrified. Yeah. A Charlie Brown Christmas premiered on CBS this day in 1965. Well, Google gives it 4.7 stars out of 5. I'm Googling it right now. Huh. I, it's pretty impressive. I mean, a petrified force. I'm just saying you could probably visit it once every thousand years and you might see some noticeable difference. Mm-hmm. Birthdays today. Actor Dame Judi Dench is 87. Bo Bridges is 80. John Malkovich is 68. Donny Osmond is 64. Felicity Huffman is six, uh, 59. Jesse Metcalf is 43. Both alumni of uh, Desperate Housewives. And Simon Helberg is 41 today uh, from Big Bang Theory. Yes. Oh, isn't he the one of the... Wallowitz. That's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Simon Helberg. Wallowitz. Gone but not forgotten, John Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost in 1608, Margaret Hamilton, The Wicked Witch of the West in 1902, 
Kirk Douglas in 1916, Red Fox in 22, Dick Van Patten in 28, Chartoppers. We're not going to get very far on the Chartoppers today. Our trends took up a lot of time. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say sorry, not sorry, but that would be inaccurate. So, sorry, sorry. 1953, Les Paul and Mary Ford were number one. I should have saved this one for last, as we say, via Cadillos. What a feel-good song. That really pump you up for the day. Yeah, that was enough. Makes you want to do some jumping jacks and run some sprints and, you know, pump iron and all those things. Let's go to 1962. The Four Seasons, number one, with Big Girls Don't Cry. Got some nice audio in this, too. I heard it in the headphones there. They don't cry. Yeah, I've always loved this album and love this group, thanks to my parents. Uh-huh. And then here's, this song's Vintage. Vintage. 1971, Charlie Pride was number one. You've got to kiss an angel good morning. It is vintage. And let her know you're 50 years old. When you're gone. I love this line. Kiss an angel good morning. And love her like the devil when you get back home. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, they don't write songs like that anymore. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Here you go. This is 1980. Queen, who's number one, another one bites the dust. Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire, number one in 89. Save Tonight, Eagle Eye Cherry in 98. Colby Calais, Bubbly in 07. And Starboy from The Weekend and Daft Punk, number one five years ago today. All right, MB's gone from back to started with the future and gone back. Could have. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Life is too short for fake butter, cheese, or people. Life is too short for fake butter, cheese, or people. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Remember, God loves you, and I do too. Look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for another edition of our show. For Sam Gormley, for Beej, I'm MB, and now you're in the know.